You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. Yes, it is all about divorce. How does it actually work? We generally are quite exposed to international media when it comes to divorce. I saw this morning um, that uh, Kim Kardashian's divorce to Kanye West is finalized and um, she will be awarded 200,000 US dollars a month in child support. 200,000 US dollars a month in child support. Not so long ago, he was a billionaire. So $200,000 sounds excessive, but I guess for the lifestyle that those kids are living, it must cover things that you and I don't have to think about for our children, like bodyguards, private security, and a whole host of other things. But this is your opportunity, 011-883-0702. And the WhatsApp line, 0727021702. I'd like to welcome to the show, attorney specializing in divorce from legal leaders, Aslam Mullah. Aslam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Dylan Bokile. Thank you for having me today. So I find it so, so interesting that when we were talking in our conversation around couples who choose to stay legally married and not divorce, and we were discussing the various reasons, like it's too expensive or it will be easier for the kids um, to actually, um, um, or, or let me say the kids and the wife to benefit should the partner, pa- the husband pass away. So the couple just decides we're not together anymore. We're moving on with our lives. It's better to stay married when they reach a point where any couple says i would like to file for divorce maybe let's start there how does that process work where do i begin if i want to divorce my husband and let's assume that i haven't even told him because we know there are many situations where women's safety or even a man's safety may be at stake or the situation is so difficult that it's not something that we're both going together to say okay we're agreeing it's amicable let's go to the court and and get this done sure sure that is a good way to start the program and earlier on, we spoke about, you know, Muhammad and the physical loss of someone. Mm. Divorce really is an emotional loss and it's an emotional death of a relationship. So, again, it's not a topic that people necessarily want to talk about. But I think in the society we live in today, it's a very, very important topic. Some people even question the notion of getting married. I mean, what's the point of getting married Mm. today? Why can't we live together? So that's a separate topic altogether. But for those people who are in in marriages and they want to start the divorce process, in South Africa, you start a divorce by issuing a legal document called a divorce summons. So so can I I actually ask a question? And sorry to interrupt you, Aslam. I actually sure. think this was, we have a better place we could have started actually, because you are making me aware of something which is very critical. How we got married is possibly going to determine how we we get divorced, correct? Absolutely. I mean, there's three <laughs> marital systems in yes. South Africa. You so, have marriage in community of property, yes. out of community of property with accrual, and then an ANC no accrual so maybe our starting point should be there because much as like what you said nobody wants to talk about divorce and nobody gets married with the intention 
to get divorced. Yet at some mm. point, there might be a conversation or a consideration around certain things. So maybe our starting point uh, should be, what should you consider about divorce when you decide to get married? Especially if you're hoping you don't get divorced, but should it happen, these are things that maybe you need to consider. Sure. I, that is an absolutely lovely question. The reason why is because you are framing it in a positive way. So if you are going through the marriage process and you've decided to settle down with someone, naturally, as you pointed out, you're not thinking about divorce. But from a legal perspective, you might want to consider certain issues in order to protect yourself from any kind of legal issues later on. So the first thing that I always recommend to clients is try and get married with an anti-nuptial contract. Now, you mentioned earlier how we get influenced by movies and Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. In America, they call this a prenup. Mm. So I'm sure we've heard that term before. It means that what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, and we're in this for the relationship, so to speak. Now, in South Africa, there's no such thing as a prenup. What mm. we have is an anti-nuptial contract. Now, some people or most people actually don't know that you have to sign this contract before you get married. Now, there's a couple of practical issues to that because the purpose of this show today is to make the law real, make it practical, mm. make it something we can apply in our daily life, not just some you know, textbook or... Aslam? I can hear you. Can hear me? Sorry, we just lost you br briefly when you got to the part of textbook. Yes. So when we talk about how does a person actually go through an anti-nuptial contract, mm. uh, the first thing that you need to do is naturally talk to your wife or your husband-to-be. And most people find this the hard part because getting the ANC is relatively cheap. It's under 5K. It can be done online. You know, it's a streamlined process. There's lots of service providers that can do this for you. But people are afraid that if they go to their significant other and say, hey, listen, why don't we do an anti-nuptial contract or get married out of community or property? The other person will somehow get offended. But the reality is, if you don't do an anti-nuptial contract, you will be married in community or property automatically. Mm. Now, what does this mean practically? It means that if something has to happen in the future, everything gets divided half and half. And that's not only assets, it's also liabilities. Uh, so if another spouse gets or your spouse gets a credit card debt, home loan, car installments, half is also yours, not only uh, the spouses. So it's not only in relation to assets and things like that. So the starting point is, if you are contemplating marriage, have an honest discussion with your spouse-to-be about the marital system. And the way to do it practically is to naturally get them in, get them when they are in a relaxed mood. Both of you guys are sitting down. Say to them, listen, we live in modern times today and I was doing some research online or heard this radio interview. 
you know, what are your thoughts on doing an anti-nuptial contract? And I think mm. starting the conversation like that, saying what are your thoughts on it? You're not presupposing anything. And then from there, you can, you know, gauge your response. And I think also the assumption would be that your anti-nuptial contracts are only for the rich that are trying to protect their wealth. Yes, and that is a false assumption out there in the public. So, like I said earlier on, that an anti-nuptial contract not only protects assets, but it protects you from your spouse's liabilities. So, today, credit card debt is the highest it's ever been in South Africa. And if you don't have an ANC, then you will inherit half of your spouse's credit card debt. Mm. So, it's things like that. Um, that you need to look out for, red flags. And I think also, um, for me, the advice that I was given was that you should always go the route of anti-nuptial agreement because if the person dies, you still carry their liability. So it doesn't only apply to divorce. Correct. And there are obviously other aspects as well, Dr. Bukhina. So, the, you know, the ANC is the foundation discussion point prior to getting married. But having done so many divorces over the years now and gone through the court process, there are some major aspects that you also would want to talk to your spouse about. Number one is the issue of children. Um, do you want to have kids, for example? What are your views on kids? How are we planning to raise the kids? Mm. Number two, you know, we live in a society um that allows and recognizes polygamous marriages. Mm. And, you know, talk to your spouse to say, are you open to me taking another uh, wife, example? Uh, you know, these are things we need to talk about, values, common interests, uh, what are our goals as a couple? I think sometimes we get so uh, caught up on the emotions of the event to be that we forget about, you know, the realities of living together. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone from marriage. Mm. I'm married myself and I, I love being married. I love my wife. But the thing is, it's just simple things that no one teaches us in school. Our families don't talk about this, mm. but yet we are expected to know this when we get married. So let's do this. We need to take a quick break. And I think that is a good point because I'm seeing somebody asking a very important question. And what we'll jump to is how does the law automatically view you um, um, a, 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 when it comes to divorce? If you didn't do the anti-nuptial agreement and what are the implications of that? It's 19 minutes after two. 702 Masterclass And on this In this masterclass For today We're talking about divorce And I'm seeing Many of your questions Are coming through With your different situations That you are in 011-8830702 In the WhatsApp line 072-7021702 So we are chatting To Aslam Muller Who is Attorney at Legal Leaders Aslam One of the questions That is being asked is How uh, why is ANC not the default? Why did in community of property become the default? Yeah, that's a good question. It was so in South Africa, we have legislation that's passed by parliament. And this is all legislation that was passed around the 70s and 80s. So this was more, if you look at societal norms, um, previously, men were the breadwinners and so this was meant somehow to also you know protect 
woman. But now that the roles have equaled out and women can also earn an income, uh, I guess maybe the ANC should be, uh, the system should be changed to recognize that ANC should be the or presumed out of community property should be the default. I have to keep reminding listeners that ANC is not the political party, that we're talking anti-nuptial contract. Yes, contract. so whenever we refer to ANC, it's, it's very common in the legal world. Those of us that don't yes. live there will always think 702 is talking about the ANC again. <laughs> Correct, Rila Bukhile. Also, I want to address this point about uh, mothers always getting custody in divorces. Mm. And it's something of a, uh, also of a misnomer because in the past Traditionally, a long time ago, the courts used to see mothers as the best for growing up children and things like that. But now courts take a modern view that, mm. you know, a parent, both parents can provide for the child. And what's the most important factor? So if you had to go to divorce now and go to court and fight over custody, the judge would only look at one thing, which is, what is in the best interest of this child? Mm. They don't say, oh, you're the mom, you're automatically going to get custody. Mm. Those days are over. And I think it's important that you mention that because there is a perception that the courts generally favor um, women, which I think is a conversation for another day. There is a question here mm. which I'd like to bring in. Um, Chris from Cape Town is saying, if I get married today in community of property, does it mean that all the previous debts I had before marriage will also fall under her name? So I think this is a good time to clarify how the in-community of property works. Yes, that's a good question, Chris. So when two parties get married in community of property, their estates, estates means whatever you had, assets and liabilities will be joined together. So... Every asset and every liability that you had before you get married and you acquired during the marriage will become one. So mm. think about it as two pots. You have a pot and your spouse have a pot. And then when you get married, it goes into one giant pot. And at the end of the marriage, the estate is divided equally between the parties. Now, one of the biggest disadvantages is that if one party has debt, that debt will also form part of the joint estate. Mm. And now that that already brings to the fore part of the conversation you should be having with your partner before you get married, because not everybody likes to talk about money. And now you decide to get married mm-hmm. in a traditional wedding, which is um, uh, um, automatically in community of property. And then you discover later that this person has this ma- massive debt only when you divorce. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree any more. The reason why is because that's one of the major factors, believe it or not, that causes divorce. Um, so most of the clients that come to us, the number one factor is the fighting about money. Mm. And I feel like if the expectations about um, how the money will be earned, how it will be spent, what's important, budgeting, one spouse budgets, the other one wants to spend. Um, those are the things that really break down a relationship. But how does a person practically do this? Because let's be honest, most of the listeners, including myself and you, 
would have been in relationships where this comes up and how do we deal with it practically? Mm. And from my experience, it just comes about, you know, get it off your chest, sit down with the person. And like I said earlier, tell your significant other, what are your thoughts on it? You know, mm. what's your view? So before going in and saying, here's what I think we should do, start off the conversation by asking them what their thoughts are. And that way you'll start the dialogue. Mm, and and it is a difficult one, but I think if you are agreeing to join your lives together, it's an important one. One thing that I think we did not clearly define for all of the all of the listeners: the difference between accrual and non-accrual out of community of property. Sure, sure. So in South Africa, there's three types of marriage systems. There's marriage in community of property. That's the one we discussed earlier. That's the one that automatically applies if you don't have an anti-nuptial contract. Then the second one is marriage out of community of property with accrual. And the last one is marriage out of community of property without accrual. Let's do the one with accrual. This means that you also have an anti-nuptial contract, but the two estates of Yours and your spouse's before you got married remain separate, including the debt. In other words, whatever you had before you get married was yours and your spouse cannot touch it. The accrual system only applies at the end of the marriage. What happens is with the accrual, whatever both parties acquired during the marriage, that will be compared and half of the difference in the accrual will be split. So it's a bit complicated, but the, essentially what it means is whoever has the most gain in the estate, that difference will be split between the two. Mm. Now, that is with accrual. Now, without accrual, basically that's straightforward. Each party's estate will remain separate. In other words, each spouse retains their own assets and liabilities. What's yours is yours. What's mine is mine. There's no legal claim for debts or uh, assets. All right. We need to go to eyewitness news headlines. And I see all of your questions coming through, so many of them. And I don't think we'll get through all of them in this masterclass on divorce. But I think the uh, we've now established the different types of marriages. For those of you that are considering getting married... Think about if you were to divorce, what would that look like? Outside of the emotions, talk about the money, the difficult conversations that we don't necessarily want to have. It's 2.30. Masterclass. All right, we're continuing our masterclass on divorce with Aslam Mula, attorney at Legal Leaders. We're going to jump straight into it. Aslam, one of the questions that um, is being asked, I've got a couple coming through saying, listen, mm. I am married in community of property. Is there a way to move to out of community while you are in your marriage? How can we undo and maybe do and and it's you can't say anti while while as you said the anti nuptial has to be done before the marriage. So is there a remedy if you would like to change that contract, assuming both of you are on the same page? Sure, that's a very common question, Bokhile. And there's two options to parties who are already married. And by default, it was in community of property. Now they want to change for whatever reason. The first option is to sign an ANC, anti-nuptial contract, but 
it's not going to apply externally. What that means is that it will only apply between you and your spouse. Basically, it's a contract that you want to apply between the two of you guys. But if there's a bank involved or any other creditor who's coming after one of your spouses or one or one of you in the relationship, then they, it won't apply to them because it was not done before you get married. Oh. So. I never thought of it like that. So because, for example, when you apply for your home loan, you have to, because you're married in community of property, yes. you have to put attach your partner's name to that whole situation. Exactly. Whatever your contract is only applies to maybe cert- splitting certain things amongst yourselves, but in terms of who you owe. I never thought of that. Exactly. Wow. So it is an option, meaning that if you haven't done it, it's not the end of the world. You can mm. still draw up a contract between the two of you guys. And then the second option, which is more, uh, I would say, costly and time consuming, is to actually apply to the high court to have your marital regime formally changed because uh, it's a legal process now. And to do that, you have to notify all your creditors and you, you're basically getting a judge to authorize your change in marital system. So to answer the question, it is possible. Number one is to do it between the two of you guys. But please note, it doesn't automatically bind third parties. It's just between the two of you. And then number two is to formally apply to a court of law, which will be the high court in South Africa, and have it changed before a judge. Mm, mm. Okay, so that answers those many questions um, that people are asking. So it isn't too late, but I'm assuming what you were saying is is a is not a cheap exercise. It's not uh, because you would have to draw papers, you have to notify all the creditors. When I say papers, it's also another uh, slang common word for legal papers that are used in in the legal profession. Then you'd also have to approach the court. You know, it's a process that needs to get done. I so, think personally, if you want to get, sorry. Uh, yes, yes, continue. If you want to go through this process and you and your spouse feel like, you know, we want an ANC, then it might be worthwhile first to discuss the reasons for this. So are you feeling unstable in the relationship? Are you feeling insecure or you just want financial clarity? I think there's an underlying issue that you need to look at. I mean, changing the marital system 15 years later is not something that parties do because they've acquired wealth, for example. Yes, There's other issues, underlying issues. So just in in terms of, you know, I, I watched a documentary where this woman was married to this crazy rich billionaire, but when they got married, he was, you know, they were on the same level and he got crazy, crazy rich, started cheating. And then when they got divorced, she was entitled to half and he started hiding assets in trusts. So if yeah. I am married in community of property, is a way for us to protect, and maybe this is even just for our children, is a way for us to do that, to create a trust where certain assets actually don't even belong to us so that our children don't suffer should something happen in our marriage and maybe they're left with, with um, we're living with debt, but an asset could have been protected. Or maybe I decide to go behind my husband's back and start a trust mm. and then start acquiring assets in the trust. 
That's a good question and unfortunately a very common one in practice. In my opinion, Bukhile, once a par- once a person has made a decision to get divorced mentally, you said, listen, I can't be with this person anymore for whatever reason. Yesterday we had a client who was being physically abused mm. and uh, the spouse was cheating on her. I think at that point you have to think to yourself, listen, this person does not respect me. I might love this person, but through their actions, they don't love me. Mm. And once you've made that decision to say, listen, it's over, then you need to start gathering evidence because we notice that once a divorce summons is issued, and that means a copy of the legal papers to start the divorce is served on the other party, all the important documents start to disappear from the common home. Mm. So... I would suggest start getting as much information as you can, particularly financial information, copies of bank statements, leases, you know, make an asset list. And we find oftentimes the other party doesn't know what this, what the spouse owns. Oh yeah, they own a business or they have a car. And to answer your initial question, what happens if they, in the billionaire scenario, they start, he starts to, you know, diverse it in trusts and companies or mm. gives it away to his friends. The law does not allow this. Basically, mm. that's called alienation of a joint estate. He's not allowed to go and take things from the joint estate and dispose of it on his own. If he does that, a judge can stop him mm. and we can mm. get those assets returned. So the, the key thing is, though, you, you got to start digging immediately. You have to, you know, try and get as much information because as soon as you give him the divorce papers or give her the divorce papers, any party, the information starts to disappear, disappear people start to become very protective, etc. Oh, um, Anonymous is asking a question saying, I was married in community of property. My ex divorced me in 2013. The settlement was to sell and share um, um, in terms of um the assets but he refused to sell the house we stayed together all this time he left this year in march and i hear he got married i went to the bank they say i must ask him to sell or buy him out he doesn't want any of that what can i do i've paid so much in legal fees i can't afford to fight this anymore i had a client with almost the same situation on on this monday Mm. where she got a court order And the husband just refuses to comply. Mm. And the remedy is, there's three remedies available to Anonymous. Number one, get this uh, the other party to be in contempt of court. And what that practically means, is that our justice system is based on people complying with court orders. And the way to get them to comply is, if they don't, you send them to prison. So... Mm. What you need to do then is get, uh, bring an application for contempt of court against the other party and say, listen, here's the court order. You're supposed to give me half. I've asked you for half. You haven't given me the half. You are now in contempt of the court order and the judge will make a ruling to that effect. And if they still don't comply, then they can get arrested and sent to prison. That's the first option. Mm. The second option, if money is owed to you, for example, maintenance, then you can get what is called a garnishy order. Now, this is not the garnish you think goes on salads and things like that. Basically, what this is, is where the money is comes off the other person's salary 
automatically each month. In other words, let's say you're getting a salary of 30,000, your spouse, and they owe you maintenance of 5,000 a month. You get a garnishy order from the maintenance court or the children's court or the high court and you serve that garnishy order on the employer. So the employer must pay you the 5,000 directly. And the third, of course, is fines or getting the person's assets sold by writ of execution. And what that practically means mm-hmm. is the sheriff will come to this person's home or their business and take assets to the value of your judgment and put it on auction and sell it to recover it and give you the money. So you do have options and you just need to go and enforce it. Unfortunately, all three options do require, uh, you know, legal expertise because they are a bit complicated. So you, it's not something I would recommend a person do on their own. Um, but if you are there, if you've got a court order, it's valid for 30 years. You mm-hmm. can have it enforced in a 30-year period. How does it work for individuals? Um, let's say now you get married in SA, but then you leave the country. Let's say um, somebody's telling us a story saying that they married a Spanish national and went to move, uh, get married in um They filed their marriage in Spain, but now um, things soured and Mm. they had to divorce. Um, Her question is way, way too detailed for me to get into. But in those situations, if you now divorce in another country and decide to come back home, how do you make your divorce legal in South Africa? If you were married in South Africa, you must get divorced in South Africa. If you got married in another jurisdiction, you have to check that jurisdiction rules. But generally, generally, in most cases, if you're, if you're married overseas, it's also going to be recognized in South Africa. You can't have multiple marriages in multiple jurisdictions. But the general rule of thumb is, even if your spouse moves away, this is another scenario where parties get married in South Africa. One spouse relocates to, for example, Australia or Canada or wherever it is, and the other spouse stayed in South Africa. Now they haven't been in contact. They think they're separated and, you know, they don't want to go through the whole divorce process. But the reality is they're still married on paper. And as long as they're married in, on paper, that party in South Africa can't get married to anyone else legally. Mm. So, and what complicates it even more is if that party in South Africa dies without a will, then the assets will devolve in terms of interstate law, which mm. means the law of the country. And it might very well be that the ex-spouse who's sitting in the Cayman Islands or wherever gets a portion of uh, of your assets because you didn't go through the formal divorce process. Now, how do you do it if your spouse is in another country? Simply serve a copy of the of the divorce papers on them via email and have proof of it, get their consent, show it to the judge. Generally, judges are not hesitant or to grant divorce. They Remember, they understand that if the marriage is not working out, it's irreconcilable. They will grant you a divorce. Mm. It's not their purpose to stop you from getting a divorce. All right, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we continue with this masterclass on divorce. 702 Masterclass. All right, it's getting close to wrapping up this masterclass. So many questions to get through. Masterclass on divorce with Aslam Muller, attorney at Legal Leaders. And I'm going to go straight, Aslam, into some of the questions from our listeners.
Uh, good sure, afternoon, uh, Lebo. Um, could you kindly ask uh, the gentleman that in in the event of um, a customary marriage, um, which later then becomes a, a civil union, um, how does the law work in that respect? Um, in terms of the the, 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 the the ANC, does that have to be signed before the customary uh, marriage? I'm talking here about the Lobola proceedings and uh, the Membesos and all of that. Or can it be signed after that, before the civil union? Thank oh, you. Oh, really good and relevant question. So especially sure. when it comes to customary marriages, because so, so if, of course, the law recognizes the marriage as official when everything is complete... When would the a- ANC or NTNAP need to be signed? Sure, that's a, a really good question, Nebo. Let's start off by giving some background information to customary managers. Now, customary managers in SA are recognized in terms of the law. There are some requirements. Requirement number one, you, the marriage must be negotiated and celebrated in accordance with that particular customary law. That means it must be entered into with whatever traditions between the parties. It must be entered into in in respect of that. Number two, both parties must be above the age of 18 years old. If one of the parties is under 18, then the parents or the legal guardian must give consent to that. And is that even allowed? It is. It is. In yeah. terms of the, the recognition of Customary Marriages Act, if one of the parties to a marriage is a minor, that means below the age of 18, then both of the parents or legal guardian must give consent to the marriage. Now, the payment of Labola, interestingly, is not a specific requirement in terms of the act, but it is considered to be part of the practice when concluding a customary marriage. Now, mm. if they, there's also something practical, which is very important. If you want to do an ANC, do it as soon as you can. In other words, don't wait for the customary marriage. Don't to wait be for the uncles. Don't wait for the don't. uncles. <laughs> Just start. Do it today. Yes. If you want to get an ANC, it doesn't take long. Like I said, it costs under 5K. You can do it online. And just talk to your spouse and say, hey, listen, I want to, what's your thoughts on this? I think it's important to protect you and I from creditors, et cetera, et cetera. Then you can go ahead. Now, another, a second practical aspect, Lebo, is that there's a duty on both parties in a customary marriage to register the marriage within three months after the conclusion of the customary marriage. So you have to go to home affairs and register the marriage. And the registration certificate will be proof of the existence of the customary marriage. And that will avoid any disputes in the future. So you can get married in terms of customary law. But if both parties must be 18 and also all of the traditions in terms of those particular customs must be recognized. And if you want to do an ANC, don't wait. Do it ASAP. Okay, um, yo, there are so, so many complicated questions that are coming through here. Let's take a listen to another voice note. Hi, Rolebukhile. Please ask your guest to help me. You know, I'm an old man. Uh, my wife, she divorced me 2011 until December 
2019. She claims from my mom's house. And I made an appeal at the High Court. My case has started at the High Court because I don't have an attorney. Now the problem at High Court, they asked me when my wife asked for my mom's house on my name, I can't, why I didn't claim her mom's house at hmm? Orlando. Please help me. I'm Charles from Sweden. This doesn't sound correct to me, um, Aslam. Can one claim a, um, um, a person's parents' assets? So I'm assuming um, he hasn't given us the detail that maybe it was a house he inherited. Yes. So I'm also, I have to make a couple of assumptions in Charles' case. So I have to assume that his ex-wife initiated the divorce. It's now contested. That means they were fighting it. Mm. And I have to also assume that they were married in community of property. If you're married in community of property, that means the house that he inherited automatically forms part of the joint estate, unless it was excluded specifically by his mom's will, which I doubt it was. Mm. Now, if he was married out of community of property with the accrual system, that means he had an ANC, anti-nuptial contract, which said it's ANC, but with accrual, then inheritance and donations generally is not included in the accrual. So there's a couple of assumptions there. We have to look at, uh, is it contested? Is it at the high court? And then, you know, what type of marital system? And then if you are really stuck, I always advise people, go to your nearest legal aid office. Government does provide uh, legal services available to the public. And generally, they would uh, be able to guide you. But before you go there, make sure you go with copies of your court file. Because if you sit before an attorney, you might have an idea of what happened but when the attorney goes through the court file, it's a totally different story altogether. So always go with a copy of your court file. Go and see a legal aid office. If you can't go to the legal aid office, go to the front desk of the high court. Ask them for help. Aslam, we have unfortunately run out of time, which is making me realize the millions of questions that we're getting here that we may have to host a part two of this conversation. And then we can also just get into the nitty gritties about the actual process of divorce.